It is great to be alive today. That's what I think. Today. You're here. If you're listening, I'm here if I'm talking. That means we're alive today. Think about that. All the things that you may have gone through or I may have been through, we're here today. And so Jesus was right on when he said, take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. That's what he taught us, and that's what he said, and I think there's a lot of, no, a ton of validity to that. We have today. Sometimes I wonder how much we ruin today because we're always concentrating or worried about tomorrow, or we're dwelling on and haunted by yesterday. (laughs) But we have today. For me, I'm not sure always how it works for you, but for me, well, I could either dwell on the past and say, bummer, man, had to go to the hospital, had to have surgery, had to eat hospital food. Or I could say, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how my health is holding up. I don't know what the issues are. But I can say, no, I feel good today. No, we're not going to play the song I Feel Good by James Brown. But I feel good today. I have today. The Lord wants to bless me and be with me and stand by me and fill my heart today. And same with you. We have today. What a gift it is. And tonight, speaking of today, we get to gather to celebrate these things together. Gathering in the sanctuary for our Bible study in the book of Proverbs. And you know what? Now on Wednesday nights, the high schoolers are also meeting And I'm excited about that. I am so thrilled with our new high school pastor. Good dude. And my daughter, Bailey, loves him and his wife. And she's going to get plugged in. So, good stuff. That's tonight. Come join us. If you have a high schooler and you don't know what to do with that high schooler because they're driving you up the wall. Um, bring them to church. See what happens. They're going to like it. More than that, though, they're going to be blessed by it because the Spirit is going to be moving. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. And here on Rogue Grace, we are continuing our study in the book of Hebrews I'm loving doing this. It's showing us what we have, not what we have to do, simply what we have. Again, not what we have to do, but what we have. 
through the finished work of the cross because of the love of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ. So we're in Hebrews in chapter 4, and we'll get to it right after this. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain And so I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange its autograph Oh, that old rugged cross So despised by the world Has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God Left His glory above To bear to dark Calvary So I cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I chapter 4 and verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us strive, he says. You are to strive today. You are to make every effort. You are to strain. You are to, so to speak, sweat to rest. 
<laughs> he doesn't say strive to attain or strive to achieve or strive to accomplish. He simply says, strive today to enter that rest. And it is a strife. You know why? It's not our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to try to make it happen, to figure it out, to find a formula. That's our natural instinct, most of us anyways. We want to know how we're going to be more successful or more effective, how to be better moms and dads or employers or students, whatever you may be in. We, we want to strive towards that, but the key is to strive to relax and rest, not just because, no, no, but to rest in the love of God and to trust in his faithfulness and his ability. That's what allows you to have a good night's sleep in a lion's den like Daniel did. Because you realize even if the surroundings around me seem to be opposed to me, even if they're like lions, my boss, my teachers, my employers, my fellow employees, my family, they seem like they're going to devour me. I'm just going to relax because I am talking to God and trusting in the Lord. And like Daniel, you can just sleep, so to speak, even though you're in a lion's den. You find yourself in a lion's den of some sort right now? It seems like you're surrounded by seemingly or supposedly treacherous personalities, people that could threaten you, things that uh, can easily consternate you, maybe in your job or at home. Well, when you trust in the Lord to be your covering and your strength, you can sleep right through it like our friend Daniel. And so Hebrews says, let us strive to enter that rest. I have to strive to rest because it's not my natural instinct to simply rest in the grace and the mercy of God. My natural instinct is to enjoy or be grateful for that grace and mercy, but also do my thing. How am I going to figure it out? Listen, you're not even promised, neither am I, tomorrow. Tomorrow is not even something that we know is a sure thing. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. Jesus teaches us this. All you have is right now. All you have is today. It's not a matter of, I need to climb the ladder or ascend higher or accomplish 
certain objectives. It's a matter of saying, this is where I'm at right now. This is the moment. This is the time. And you rest as you trust in God and you pray to him, casting all your cares. Those things that you do care about, those things that seem as though you have no rest in, you cast them on the Lord and you will find true rest.
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. We read. So we're to, this is where, this is the one place, really, where the New Testament, particularly after Jesus had risen, tells us to strive. Everywhere else we're told to rest. Everywhere else we're told to relax. Everywhere else we're told to trust in God, not strive. This is the one place we are told to strive. And what does that mean? It says, strive to rest. That means that I have to daily, maybe hourly, make decisions internally, um, consciously. I'm resting. I'm not going to be stressing. And the way I do that, though, is not in and of itself because that doesn't work. The way I do it is saying, I'm trusting in you, Lord, as I cast my cares upon you and take these things that keep me from rest and I give them to you and you have your way and I'm done stressing about them. That's the rest. And then it says in the next verse, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the sentence directly following, telling us the sentence that says, that we are to strive to enter that rest. Then very next verse says, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes down and pierces and divides the soul and the spirit. So the way that again, that means, I find rest is through the word of God. By reading God's word, it gives me rest for my soul. Have you ever found that out? Have you ever found that you open God's word, whether you can explain it all perfectly, whether you have it all down definitively or not? You open God's word, let's say in the book of Hebrews, like we're doing now, or First John, or Ruth, and you just read, and there's this, there's this peace, this sweet calmness of the soul that comes into you. It's because the Word of God is living. I, I don't know if that's the same case for non-believers. I, I don't know if it's simply words on a page or not, but I do know for us as believers, it is alive. That is why you can read the same thing over and over, and yet it speaks to you again and again because it is alive. I mean, right now I'm reading personally in the book of Isaiah, how many times have I read through it or taught it? I don't know, but just reading it again, 
brings me peace. Peace in my mind, peace in my heart, peace in my soul. That's what the Word of God does. So that verse that you may be familiar with, I I memorized when I was a kid. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's... That's great verse. Realize that it's directly following the one that says, therefore, let us strive to enter the rest. Don't you love that? That means the way that I strive to enter God's rest is by and through his word. It's his word that gives me the rest that I'm looking for. If you're reading your Bible and it's not giving you rest, perhaps you're reading it incorrectly because you're reading it as an assignment book. You know that it's not. You know the New Testament makes it a completed assignment? Do you know that Jesus' cry, it is finished, makes it a finished work? So when you read the Bible and you believe in the finished work of the cross, whether you're reading in the Law of Moses or in the Old Testament or in the Gospels or in Paul's writings, it is all finished. So you can simply enjoy and marvel at the finished work of God through the cross in those commandments. And yes, the great thing is, the secret is that you actually want to do those things now because you realize that your justification is not predicated upon your keeping those commandments. The Holy Spirit actually allows you, causes you to want to keep those commandments. It's amazing, this reverse psychology of the law being fulfilled. I mean, we see it with our kids. We remember when we were kids, when the law is given by your parents, thou shalt not take another Oreo out of the package. Oh, man, do you want one so bad? Maybe even so badly that you secretly rebel and when no one is looking you rob the bank of the refrigerator of an oreo cookie but what about if your mom and dad say help yourself yeah you're gonna have an oreo cookie or two or three but it won't be under the same kind of guilt and shame you know And that's the way that the word of God is. Live. Here's what it says. It says, love God and live your life. And you do. And you don't have to feel all that remorse, that guilt, that shame any longer when you love God. You place him first. You put him as the priority. Everything else then falls into place, including this verse. The word of God is living and powerful. How you read the Bible. I love that that verse that we know so well. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Directly follows the verse that says, therefore let us strive to enter that rest. So the word of God is my means. It's, uh, it's my way to come into the rest of the Lord. 
not the stress of the Lord, not the duress of the Lord, but the rest of the Lord. And that's important. You know, I'm finding in my own Bible reading that it's very simple. You know why? After my brain surgeries, that's right, surgeries, more than one recently, a lot of the things that I knew about the Bible, I don't know anymore. Oh, they're written down in my notebooks. They're in my files, so I have them. But I'm like, sometimes I open those files up or I read those notebooks and I think, oh, that's great. That's, that's wonder. That's, I didn't know I knew that. <laughs> that's how I feel. But the great thing is, instead of being frustrated with that, somehow the Lord is allowing me to feel relieved because now I just open up the Bible without a lot of those notebooks and files that I have accumulated over the years. And it's all fresh and it's all new. And you know what? I got to tell you, as you can tell on this radio program, it's not very deep. Not really. Not in terms of theology or philosophy. Not really. But it gets to me. It heals me. It blesses me. It's a whole new kind of way of approaching God. And I don't know if I'll ever get all of it back again. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but guess what? Even when I read the Bible and I go, I don't have an incredible sermon to give about this or amazing insight, it's still this. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so if there's any of you out there that feel the same way, man, when I read the Bible, I'm not coming up with conclusions like pastors do or theologians. I just read the Bible. Good. Maybe that's the best way to be like a child and just enjoy it for what it is. We'll be right back. Reaching out to help us on our way, way. 
Therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So look it. He says disobedience has to do with not resting. It has nothing to do, not primarily, with Disobedience has nothing to do with my actions or my decisions, except when it comes to rest. If I'm not resting in the Lord, then I am going to find myself in disobedience. But if I'm resting in the Lord, he says that I have strived to enter into something of obedience. That's cool. I can do that. And then the next verse, for the word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Like I said, you know, a lot of the things that I know about the Bible over the last 20 years, I've recorded in notebooks. I have literally, I don't, stacks, piles of notebooks and tons of computer files, all kinds of notes on the Bible that I'm glad because I can always refer to them if necessary, which I haven't been doing in, in this study in Hebrews. And I'm finding this in this study of Hebrews and not referring to all those notes. Um, things are really simple right now for me. <laughs> I mean, super simple. So simple that it might even be 
thought of as being blasé or boring. I don't know. But I still have just as much joy and peace in the Word of God as when I had all of my commentaries and my notebooks and my um, theological works. I, I'm not saying that that was bad, and I'm not saying that this is bad. I think it's all good. But I'm just perhaps speaking to some of you who feel the same as I do right now. You, you go, I know there are theologians and there are reverends and there are pastors that have all of it down, but I'm just trying to read my Bible. Good. That's what I'm saying. I'm with you right now. Good. It's a good place to be because the word of God is living and powerful. The word of God is what separates or divides the joints and the marrow and discerns thoughts and intentions of the heart. Not your understanding, not your philosophy, not your conclusions. It's the word of God that does that. See, whether you are a, an old, stodgy theologian or you are a fresh, new, raw believer, either way, we all need the Word of God to speak into our hearts in a way that is true and right and fresh, and it does because it is like a two-edged sword. So I'm not really having a problem with, right now, my lack of philosophical depth or theological insight. I have it all written down. It's, it's still there. It's in my notebooks. But even as I'm going through Hebrews here on Rogue Grace, I find it a very real simplicity, and it's interesting. And it's fine with me as long as God continues to give me his peace. I'm fine with it. Well, we'll have one more song and then wrap this up, um, this program up. So we'll be right back. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray for each listener of this radio program listening right now that you will continue to accomplish the promises of your word, the things that you have said you would do in each one of our lives, of their lives. Those who are listening, Lord, I pray for a peace of God that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and their minds. Lord, today guard their hearts and their minds. And Lord, I pray that they would walk on a path that leads to success, victory, and yes, prosperity, because you have set them on that path. It is your path, for Jesus is the way. And Lord, I pray that you would protect them from the evil one, from demons, from darkness. In fact, they would see victory over those things, over their demons, over the darkness in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would guide them and direct each person who is listening right now in your ways, by your providence. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. Come on out tonight. Yep, 7 o'clock. We will be in the book of Proverbs. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. My pops, John Corson, opening up the word of God as he has for 50 million years. I love it. God bless you, and I'll see you later.